0: Welcome to the World War II radio podcast. Today, we have the Roma Nightly News. It was broadcast over the Mutual Broadcasting System on April 20th, 1943. It features updates on the war in Africa, Europe, and the Pacific. As well as a profile of Adolf Hitler, whose birthday happened to be that day. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Be sure to visit our website at brickpicklemedia.com podcast, where you can find links to past episodes, as well as our other podcasts, and other great information. So thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast.
1: In a few seconds, faces and places in the news. But first, a reminder that the second war loan drive is now underway. This is a concern of all the people. Thirteen billion dollars is a lot of money. It must be raised and soon. Some of that money has to be yours. Buy an extra war bond every payday. 6.15
0: for News of the World Today and the column about faces and places in the news. Brought to you Monday through Friday. This is the birthday of a man who will probably receive few messages of congratulation. Adolf Hitler is 54 years old today. Later, there'll be a story about the life and times
1: of Adolf Hitler. But first, here is tonight's front page in the news. In North Africa, the cracked British Eighth Army launching an offensive by moonlight last night has penetrated the Anfidaville position on the strong southern Axis line of defense in its narrowing corner of Tunisia. The assault was largely a smash by infantry troops against the hills and machine-gun-studded defenses of the Anfidaville line. Meanwhile, the Allied air arm littering the Tunisian beaches and the Sicilian Straits with a wreckage of Axis air power has destroyed 24 more enemy planes to bring the two-day score to a total of 112, of which 70 were German troop transports. In the Pacific, United States Army warplanes rained 17 tons of bombs in a series of nine attacks Sunday on the Japanese outpost at Kiska in the Aleutians. In the Southwest Pacific, General Douglas MacArthur's bombers hit five enemy bases in single-plane forays, and the Japanese raided Guadalcanal. Other United States heavy bombers attacked the enemy airdrome at Munda in the Solomon Islands, plastering the runway with high explosives. In Europe, Swift Ventura bombers struck at Nazi transport and industrial targets late today, and German planes in retaliatory raids gave London a brief air raid alert tonight that passed without incident. In China, Major General Claire L. Chenault today declared it was highly important for the United Nations to keep up the pressure in the southwest Pacific. He believes that the Japanese are concentrating troops in French Indochina, Malaya, and Thailand in preparation for renewed offensives either in the southwest Pacific or in Burma. Monterrey, Mexico. President Roosevelt shook hands with President Manuel Avila Camacho of Mexico today, while guns boomed a salute to this first meeting of United States and Mexican chief executives deep inside Mexico. Tonight, the leaders of these two neighboring allied nations speak to the world by radio about the future of the two countries. The broadcast will be heard over the mutual network at 8 o'clock Pacific War Time. In just a moment, our feature column faces and places in the news. But first, here is an important message.
0: One way you and I can and must keep faith with our armed forces is to invest to the very limit in the war bonds and other securities of the Second War Loan Drive. A drive to raise $13 billion now to provide needed weapons to our men in the front lines. Remember, the most you can lend is the least you can do during the second war loan drive. Take every penny that isn't needed for bare necessities and invest it in extra war bonds and other second war loan securities. There are seven different kinds of securities to fit your needs and your pocketbooks. The success of the drive is up to you and me. Let us, you and I, send every possible dollar to the support of our fighting men by putting these dollars into second war loan securities now. They give their lives. You lend
1: your money. Our feature column this evening is devoted to a story about a man who can put 54 candles on his birthday cake today if he has a birthday cake. Our columnist tells you more about Adolf Hitler, an important face in the news.
0: April 20th. 1889, and a slender young woman lay wearily on her bed, listening to the wails of her firstborn. A great moment in the life of any woman, a moment for dreaming of future greatness for the tiny helpless miracle, for thinking of all the pitfalls that must be avoided, for contemplating the careful nurturing of the small spark of life into a flame of maturity that will shed light wherever its influence is felt. The face on the pillow was sensitive, deep-eyed, thin... ...framed by a tousled yellow hair. The face of a mother who would wish great good for her child. Sixteen years later, the tired, deep eyes of Clara Hitler closed in death. Merciful death, for she knew that her child, Adolf, was a queer, twisted youth. But she was spared the knowledge that she had given birth to a monster. She was never to know that the sweet cry of her firstborn was to be echoed back in the cries of a million women for their children. That the wail of her son would one day come thundering back, amplified into a wail of doom, first to be heard throughout Germany, then throughout the world. The curse of Adolf Hitler was inferiority that gave rise to strange passions which defied even his mother's understanding while she lived. She could understand his hatred of a sodden father she could respond with pity and great love to the boy's fanatical devotion to her. She hoped that from his tortured soul, something great and good would grow, and she encouraged him to follow the instincts that seemed to direct him toward things beautiful. She never knew that he was devoid of true artistic feeling, that even this would become a curse to a nation whose whole concept of beauty would someday be scaled down to the limitations of the warped soul that was her son. In every human, there is a deep sense of individual inadequacy. Inferiority complex, it has been called. In great men, it is often strong. It is the conquest of self that makes them great. The desire to overcome weakness, stupidity, spiritual sloth, has produced the leaders of civilization. In Adolf Hitler, it took another turn. He burned with a passion to scale everything down to his own inferiority rather than rise above it a man with an idea, a single idea, that of crushing all that was outside his limited ken. Because he had not in him a spark of honor, he trusted no man. Those who at some time have been counted friends of Hitler may be remembered today by markers on their graves. Because he had not the intelligence and drive to learn from books, he burned them, lest they stand as mockers of his inferior mind. Because he loved no woman... He made motherhood a mockery of mass production for the purpose of providing cannon fodder. Because he had within him no love for humanity, he sought to destroy it... ...using a cowed nation as the instrument of destruction. Lust insatiable burned within him to destroy every truth that defied his purpose... ...to murder and maim those who would not bend to his will. First it was Germany, but having conquered his own people his sense of insecurity still remained. Therefore, the nation with which he identified his success must conquer all. There could be no security in the world for the mission of Adolf Hitler until all that he could not rule was crushed under heel. Higher and higher he rose, climbing to the pinnacles of fame upon a great heap of human corpses, human hopes, human decencies. Still, he found no peace. No respite from the aching vacuum within him that defied satisfaction. There were some who saw whence his madness would lead him and his nation. Many of them are dead. Some remain only because they seemed indispensable to his purpose. After he had declared the unworthiness of certain peoples to live, he set about to destroy them. But the urge to live is strong in the human animal, and once appraised of the nature of the enemy, they fought back. The early weakness of the people he conquered fed Hitler's sense of historic mission, caused him to rely more and more on his intuition, defying military men, religious leaders, and cold statistics. Those who disagreed with him could always be liquidated or shelved in a concentration camp, but battles could not be won without military men. Only the impact of defeat could teach Hitler that, and reluctantly he conceded power to the generals without whom his dreams of a world under heel could not come true. Defeats come to all men. The average human accepts them and goes on. They are not feasible, however, to men of Adolf Hitler's stripe. Who feeds on power starves without it. And the Nazi Fuhrer is starving today. The suspicion of defeat began to creep insidiously into his consciousness during the first winter in Russia. His mighty monster of destruction bogged down in the face of the first real opposition it encountered. The suspicion grew when his Africa Corps began its route across Egypt, across Libya, and deepened as it moved into a bottleneck in Tunisia. There was Stalingrad, too, to add weight to his anxieties. And the bombs from which Germans had been promised immunity that began to rain in torrents on cities of the Reich. Intuition, mad desire to crush all, to stand atop a heap of all humanity with none to challenge. These were not enough. Cold hard steel in unending quantity, endless masses of men, great generalship, and great cooperation. These alone could give Hitler the thing he desired. Intuition had to give way to generalship, and this alone was a defeat for Hitler. A defeat that burned deeply into his bottomless desire for supreme power he had to admit to the greater experience and ability of others. Only time will tell what has happened to Hitler, whether he's ill, insane from frustration, a prisoner of Germany's military clique, or hiding away from his people as their suspicion of defeat grows. Hitler, if he is under the polite protective custody of his generals, may be undergoing a retreat into silence, fearful to face the nation he has brought to the border of doom. Today, he is 54 years old. There is no celebration in the Reich. The Fuhrer does not show his face, nor is there any reason to believe that he takes pleasure in this anniversary. He remembers birthdays when he was riding high, when the cries of the conquered and the shouts of German masses mingled in thunderous tribute. What did it matter that some of the roar was the anguish of the wounded, some of it the roar of tribute? It was all a composite ovation to his power, to his success in scaling the world down to his own puny horizons. The first wails of the child Adolf 54 years ago have been echoed back a million fold, sometimes in hysterical cheering, sometimes in the cries of suffering humanity. But this year in shattering new noises, screeching wails that end in thunder, rising ever louder over the Reich of Adolf Hitler. The fury sown across the world by a power-mad man and a nation caught in his toils is being reaped in a harvest of horror. The wail that began the life of Adolf Hitler echoes back on the Reich today in the terrible wail of bombs, wails ending in the thunder of doom impending to human oppression, mass murder, and to the mad monster that was born in Austria 54 years ago today. We will have more news for you in just a moment.
1: Yes, we built 8 million tons of shipping last year. It was a good start in our hardest war. But grim-faced Navy men will tell you that the 18 million tons being built this year aren't enough. The United States must raise $13 billion more this month to keep our war machine going. In ever-expanding numbers, sons, husbands, and brothers are going into actual battle. Do your share by purchasing United States war bonds. Remember, they're the best investment in the world today. Don't wait for a volunteer worker to call at your home. Plan now to do your duty and do yourself a lifetime favor in making this one gilt-edged purchase. They give their lives. You lend your money. Buy a bond tomorrow. Now, here is more news. In Germany. Vidkun Quisling, puppet premier of Norway, was received by Adolf Hitler at his headquarters for a lengthy conversation on Monday, the Berlin radio said tonight. This is the fifth such conference in recent days between Germany and her satellites. Stockholm. Unless Germany makes a satisfactory reply to a request for an explanation of the reported attack by a German merchantman on the Swedish submarine Draken, the Swedish government may act to halt the use of the nation's territorial waters by Nazi ships. London. A Reuters report from Zurich tonight said that German Field Marshal Erwin Rommel is in Rome and is preparing to make an inspection of French Mediterranean coastal defenses. The dispatch said that Colonel General Jürgen von Arnim, formerly the commander of Axis forces in northern Tunisia, now is in charge of all the Tunisian operations. London, General Charles de Gaulle called tonight for a new structure of government under which he said old Republican France would give way to a truer democracy.
0: Now we'll say good evening for your reporter, Jack Dash, and your columnist, Howard Culver. We'll return tomorrow and every evening, Monday through
1: Friday at 6.15, with news and a column about faces and places in the news. And remember, your government asks you to support the second war loan drive. Your own conscience, based on the stern facts of war, must tell you how important it is for you to comply with this request by purchasing an extra war bond every payday. This is Don Lee Mutual.